You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number 25. Here we go, here we go, here we go now. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for making this podcast today a part of your day. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Thanks for coming over and checking it out. I think you'll find it really helpful today. And if you're coming back, as always, thank you so much for coming back. You can catch me on Twitter at at Jody Livingston, that's J-O-D-Y, and of course over on the Facebook at The Longer Hall. All of the links, all of the resources mentioned in today's episode, you can find in the show notes over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 025. That's thelongerhall.com slash episode 025. Man, I'm super excited for today's episode. There are a few people in this world, specifically in the youth ministry realm, where when they write a book, I buy it. Um, I don't really ask a lot of questions. I just read everything that they write. I follow um, a lot of what they say. I try to keep up. They just seem to speak and ooze wisdom. And today's guest is one of those people. Uh, Dr. Alvin Reed is on the show today. He is youth ministry veteran from way, way back. What I love and appreciate about Dr. Reed is not only that he writes books about youth ministry, but he's passionate about evangelism. He teaches youth ministry, teaches evangelism uh, on the seminary level, and he's a pastor at a local church. He is a young professional's pastor serving there, and he is legitimately one of the most evangelistic people I know in the sense that he is constantly talking about the gospel, not in the creepy, preach it from the streets, I have to make it through my outline. Let me explain all these verses to you just in natural conversation. I think you'll hear that come out in the interview as he talks about that. Great interview today. We're going to get into some really important topics for youth ministry. How do you build a culture or an environment or a movement within your students in one that sustains itself and that grows in a healthy way so that it's not so much event driven from event to event to event? And look, we're not saying that events are important and don't have their place, but how do you get your students to be able to be sharing on their behalf outside of your events and your youth group times? So we dive into that. We talk about just some practical things that you can do as a youth pastor, as a youth leader, to encourage that and build that into your youth ministry. Bunch of books mentioned, lots of resources here. Great interview today. Dr. Reed is a sharp cookie for sure and somebody I respect very, very much. Before we get to today's episode, I want to thank today's sponsor, which is Zorby. I'm super excited to have them on sponsoring the show. Um, We gave away recently, we did a big giveaway to the blog and we're able to give away a Zorby. That's X-O-R-B-E-E, two E's, starts with an X, and you can find out more at Zorby.com there. I love our Zorbies. We have one in my house, actually. We have a seven-foot-long beanbag there. If you want to call it a beanbag, it's so much more than that in our house. And we have one uh, as well in the student ministry, in the youth room there. 
Those things have been abused and misused for a few years now, and they are still holding strong. I love them. They are easily some of the best money we've spent for our youth room. They are never empty when the students are in the room. As soon as students come in, it's the first place that fills up. I would highly, highly encourage you to check it out, especially with school starting soon. And many of you, I know some of your uh, church budgets run August, start in August or September. Others start in January, but definitely something to look forward to, uh, to purchasing, in my opinion, if you are wanting to kind of redo your youth room or you just need some seating or just something really fun for your youth room or heck, even, even for your house for there. So head over to Zorbe.com. That's X-O-R-B-E-E.com. And when you check out, if you use the uh, promo code, discount code TLH, as in the longer haul, you'll save 10% there when you check out. Super good. Highly recommend them. Love it. We're probably about to get a couple more for our youth room here in the coming weeks. So go check them out. You're going to love today's episode. I know you are. So with all of that said, let me, uh, I don't want to waste your time anymore. I'll be mindful of that. So let's jump in here to today's interview with Dr. Alvin Reed. Well, hey, Dr. Reed, thanks for uh, jumping on today and taking some time to be on the show. I really do appreciate it. Very, to be with you, Jody. Um, I think it's an important topic, what we're, we're tackling. I feel like I say that every week, but um, certainly when we talk about evangelism, a lot of student ministry evangelism, I think, primarily centers around events, which there's a place for that. Um, a lot of that burden seems to fall back on the ministry itself. Oftentimes, I think youth pastors struggle to get their students to own the gospel in the sense of sharing it. And, mm-hmm. and I think if you're going to have sustainable growth, and healthy growth in your youth ministry or your church in general, it really has to come from those that we serve, those underneath us, whether it's students or adults, really taking the gospel to their friends and neighbors. I mean, that's the Great Commission. Um, And so the question today is, how do we build that in our students? How do we get them Mm -hmm. to see that and own that and, and even equip them to do it in a way that they're not completely intimidated by that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the word you said that is key is sustainable. Uh, it's easy to do events and reach people in the short term. But the problem with that, and I'm for events, I speak at events, I, I believe in those events. The, the problem is twofold. First of all, uh, it creates a culture where evangelism becomes an event thing instead of a lifestyle thing. So the way we structure things has as much impact as what we teach and how we live. So if we say we want you to be missional, we want you to live like missionaries, but then all we do is promote event after event after event, we're, we're, it's counterintuitive uh, to do that. So that's one issue, uh, the, the, the fact that it's they are effective in the short term, but they're not really building long-term disciples. But the other issue with that is, uh, I call this the lowest common denominator issue or one size fits all is it's easier to do ministry that fits everybody. And so a big event kind of, you just make it a one size fits all for everyone. But if you're going to really build disciples of individual students, create the image of God and help them learn about how to do that in the community of a local church, that takes a lot more work. It, it's going to take more investment of personal time with people. Um, and, and it's going to take more time building deeper, you know, the old saying, uh, if you take care of the depth of your ministry, God will take care of the breadth of your ministry. That's not just true for people to prepare. I use that all the time for people thinking about seminary, but that's true for any believer. 
And the more deep we take students, the more they're going to be able to live out the gospel on their own, to have what my friend Jonathan Dodson calls a, a gospel intelligence so that they can communicate the gospel in their context, because not because they've learned a program or they've been to an event, but they actually have learned to know the gospel in such a way that it's a part of their life. Yeah. So I read a book recently um, called The Best Kept Secret in Christian Mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, great book. And I, man, one of the things that, that the book talks about was the fact that, um, you know, when, when, when you first become a Christian, and this was true in my case, which I think is why it resonates so much, you just naturally shared the gospel. You were excited about your faith. You were just telling folks about it. And then as somewhere along the way, you're taught how to share the gospel, right? And so mm-hmm. you're given an, an outline, which for me, I think was like evangelism explosion at first. And then yeah. was, there was CWT and then there was faith and then there was all these things and at that point all of a sudden i remember feeling really intimidated like gosh i can't i've got to remember all this stuff how do i remember all these yeah. verses how do you and so it became almost it felt very pass or fail like if they don't yeah. accept jesus because i screwed up my outline or i forgot the passage boy that's you you have just nailed an issue that i'm talking a lot about right now in my classes and with with leaders uh, i learned to share the gospel from some of the best and i learned um, a presentation, and I learned how to ask leading questions to get into a conversation to leave a presentation. And I got to be very good at that. And I saw people genuinely come to Christ. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying to reach this generation of young adults, most of whom are not tied to a church, most of whom don't have a biblical worldview, it's going to take less presentation and more conversation. Mm. And that that involves that gospel uh, intelligence that I mentioned earlier and, and so you're exactly right. The number one thing people fear in America is public speaking. Adults fear public speaking. And when you teach someone a presentation to present to someone, that is in its essence a form of public speaking. Yeah. And I know with lay people at our church, I just taught a class at our church called Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out. <laughs> uh, and, and when we talked about that issue, so many lay, godly lay people who love the Lord and who do share their faith said that the idea of stop thinking about getting a presentation right and just learn to love Jesus and to share him in everyday conversations, that was like this burden just lifted off them. So I think that's exactly right. I think what happens, you know, Vance Havner said we have to backslide to fit into our churches. Uh, And so what happens is somebody gets saved. They don't know any better than to tell people about Jesus because that's what happened to them. And it's real and it's vibrant. It's close. And then, of course, in one of my books, I talk about uh, the, the problem of the Christian subculture, which kind of basically says the real issue is getting to church, not growing in Christ. And if all you're doing is getting into church, then evangelism is not a big deal anyway. So there's a lot of factors involved in that. But I think you hit the nail on the head that we have to get back to helping people. We have to treat young people like young adults and not kids and, and help them understand the whole gospel from the whole perspective of Scripture so that they can inject that into conversations every day. So are there things that you that you think, I mean, you're a youth ministry professor, you're an evangelism professor, uh, you're a pastor there on staff, are the things that you see or hear, you speak a lot, like what kind of things do youth pastors need to be doing to make that happen? Well, three, three things, first of all, uh, fundamentally. Number one, you got to be sharing your faith. A simple thing I tell my students all the time, and I try to do this as a pastor at my local church, is if not weekly, very regularly, I try to mention somebody I just shared Christ with the week before. 
Hmm. And just that example, uh, you know, you have to be sharing Christ to do that. But uh, I've had students tell me that their youth started sharing their faith, not because they started a program, but because they just mentioned every week talking to somebody about Jesus and the youth started doing it because that's what their youth pastor talked about. Uh, The second thing is we have to teach that. We have to teach what is the gospel. See, we've jumped from the indicative to the imperative. We've jumped from what is the gospel in its greatness and its glory, and we just jumped to how to share the gospel. And we can't do that. We've got to start with how great the gospel is. But we have to give students some handles. We have to give them a tool. Uh, We need to give them some basic things on how to communicate the gospel without making this big, elaborate, you know, erector set of presentation kind of thing. And then, but the third thing I alluded to earlier, and that is we have to structure our ministries to celebrate the communication of the gospel. You know, students will imitate what we celebrate. And so if we are regularly having students give a testimony of, you know, somebody they shared Christ with or interaction they have with a teacher or whatever, uh, maybe, maybe cut out, you know, and I, 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 sometimes I get the reputation of being an anti-game guy. I'm not an anti-game guy, but we probably could play one less game and insert a teenager who shared their faith because part of student ministry is maturing students so that a, a 13-year-old should, by the time they're 18 and coming through a student ministry, they should decide define fun differently. Yeah. Uh, winning someone to Christ should be a lot more fun than playing a video game. Maybe not for a 13-year-old, but if they've been in a student ministry for six, seven years, you know, going on a mission trip to El Salvador, going on a mission trip and sharing the gospel should be up there with going to Six Flags and riding a roller coaster easily or, or winning, you know, World of Warcraft or whatever. Yeah. I, uh, I remember Matt Lawson, who you and I both know mm-hmm. a few years ago, were having lunch and we were talking about this culture that exists in most student ministries and I think you kind of, you're either one or the other. You, you, most youth ministries seem to either have a whole lot of fun and a little bit of Jesus mm-hmm. or a whole lot of Jesus and a little little bit of fun. And yeah. we were kind of talking about that balance, how hard yeah. that is. You, you need both those elements yeah. uh, to be effective. But if you're going to err one way or the other, let, let's err on Jesus. And, yeah, uh, and I would agree with that. And I would say, but I say there's a third way, and that is, that even as you're trying to balance those, that you're also trying to create a culture that redefines fun. Yeah. From taking it from the pop culture uh, into the church culture. Uh, Because again, I don't think the goal of student ministry should ever be to have fun, but neither should it be the opposite. You know, the, the Young Life saying back in the early days of Young Life, it's a sin for Christianity to be boring. And I agree with that. And I get what they're trying to say, but it's also a sin for Christianity to be irrelevant. Or or atheological, or not helpful to students to actually grow up into disciples of of Christ. So that that's a that's a false dilemma that we don't have to make. So I would say we need to foundationally build ministry on the gospel, but then have fun. And, you know, Barney talked about that in Real Teens. He talked about that's the balance. You know, to reach unchurched teens, you want to have life and energy, energy and all that, but. If, if uh, a teenager who's been in church for all their life at 17 still has to be entertained, they miss something along the way. Yeah. And I think, I think, and Oz Guinness talked about that as well, you know, it, it, that, that there's a certain point where meat ought to taste better than a Twinkie, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's because Twinkies are gross. Yeah. Well, I remember oh, just last week, so we just got back from El Salvador, we were talking about that a little bit before the recording here, and 
man, we just had some phenomenal share groups in the evenings with our students. And um, I remember one one guy, especially it was maybe the third day we were there. And a lot of what we do in on this trip, we're in schools. So mm-hmm. we are doing a little program for them in the schools. And, and so a lot of testimonies. And then afterwards, they just grab a translator and they go and start really trying to share the gospel. We have mm-hmm. a few tools. We give them to do that. We've, sure. We've really pressed in on the three circles uh, yeah. model mm-hmm. this year. They That's also great. have the little bracelets cause everybody wants a bracelet. Um, and then we, we've, we use uh, view the story a lot yeah. um, as yeah, well. And so they're kind of taking that and we were sitting there one night and one of, one of our students said, you know, I, I'm realizing this week that my testimony is is the gospel like it's intertwined with the gospel that it that's right if i'm really going to share the gospel effectively my testimony is a huge part of that and how i do that in my life and i thought man that this is a 16 17 year old kid yeah and if i'd have known that at 16 17 years old holy cow you know where where would i be yeah and there are a couple of ways that that kind of uh, crosses paths uh with with the story when i teach on the testimony now you know, the, the grand narrative of the gospel, you get this from view the story and so on, is creation, fall, rescue, restoration. That's the great meta narrative of scripture and helping young people understand the Bible from that perspective instead of seeing the Bible as a book of morality with do's and don'ts primarily that is fundamentally the redemptive story of God. That's important for them to know that, know the gospel from that perspective. Uh, in a world that doesn't really have that big picture perspective. But the other side of that is that is our testimony, creation. I was born. uh, I was a child. I was a happy little kid. Fall. I realized I was a sinner. Rescue. I realized who Jesus is, and he died and rose again. And and I trusted him as my Savior. Restoration. I now live with purpose, with hope, and even hope beyond this life. So the very meta-narrative of Scripture is also the meta-narrative of, so because you have a, Jody has a meta narrative. You have a family story. You have a music interest story. You have a sports story. You have a ministry story. You have a health story. And all those stories of your life fit together to make a meta narrative of who you are. And and that's where we're not helping teenagers. We've so lowest common denominatorized everything and so simplified the faith that it's not a cause worth dying for. You know, in, in her book, uh, Almost Christian, Kenda Dean talks about. Uh, basically, the, the 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 Christianity that a lot of young people get today is a theology of being nice, hmm. and it's a worshiping a Jesus of nothingness. Or as Richard Ross would say, Jesus becomes our mascot instead of our master. Yeah. And 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 we're never going to get students to live out a gospel that's not bigger than they are. So how do we do that? I mean, how what kind of things do we give our students to help equip them to do that? I mean. Kind of going back to, to a few minutes ago, we were saying, man, when I learned the outline, that's when it got, that's when I felt the pressure. Yeah. I mean, what kind of things can we give them? How do we equip them to do that so that they don't feel intimidated, but they feel equipped? Well, I think uh, when I talk about missional kinds of witnessing, living like a missionary, when I'm sharing the gospel with someone, I don't start with me and the gospel and dump it on them. I start with them, seeing them, even as a sinner still creating the image of God. And they get some things that are true. Sure. And so I try to find some points of truth. It's what Paul did uh, in Acts 17 at Mars Hill. He found this unknown God. They believed in a creator. He started with creation. He went to Christ. Same thing Peter did in Acts 2. He started with the Old Testament because he's speaking to devout Jews. Uh, and he's talking about Messiah. So we start in their worldview where they are. And well, young people do this all the time. 
And that's why, you know, I use things like movies. Uh, and so helping young people see that the gospel is not just a church thing over here for uh, my church life compartmentalized, but affects all of life. So when I look at movies, I realize the reason I love these storylines, even Jurassic World, for example, man, that storyline is consistent with, the not, not that there are dinosaurs throughout the Bible, but I'm just saying that storyline, there's somebody in trouble, there has to be a rescuer, we want there to be a happily ever after and people to be restored when it's over. You see that in movies, and that relates directly to the gospel. You see it in sports that we love uh, our teams to win, and we don't like cheaters. You see it in business. You see it in music with resolu- uh, resolution of notes. And, and, and I could give you a hundred examples, but everyday things in the everyday world of a teenager speaks to the gospel. And that's where we failed teenagers. We failed to show them that Jesus is bigger than their church youth group and their church building. Jesus actually is real in every part of life, and the very passions and drives of our life relate to our hunger for the gospel. So I think that probably stems from our overall teaching, right? That we, we kind of emphasize the gospel and that meta narrative mm-hmm. as we teach consistently, whether that's mm-hmm. small groups or, uh, or like a Wednesday night large group thing. Yeah. Do you think, is there a need for, um, kind of a how to share your faith class? Is that? Yeah. I think, I think you still have to give some basic tools, but you don't start there. Okay. I'm going to do shameless self promotion. Yeah. I wrote this little book called As You Go. Sorry, shameless self-promotion. It's awesome. But this, this is a student ministry book. This is the only one out there, really, that is really built on it, – it, it explains how to build on the gospel, build on the creation, fall, rescue, restoration, how to build on that. And so, uh, and, and so there's not a lot of how-to in here. And, and I haven't got a lot of negative, I've been overwhelmingly positive response to this, but the little bit of negative I've gotten is I wish you'd give us a few more practical how-tos. And I said, that's what student ministry does. It does the how-to, but it doesn't back up and say the why. And so we always want to start with the why, and the why is the gospel. And so that's a book that kind of helps with that. Uh, but even in a second, second standard self-promotion, and I'm done, my son and I, who's a youth pastor, who's in New York City with View the Story folks, Spread Truth, this week on a mission trip, sharing the gospel in the city in New York. But we wrote a little book called Get Out, and it's the it's the how-to. This is the why and the what, and this is the how. And this is kind of how to get into public schools. But there's a chapter in there that explains how to use the three circles. Yeah. And so it uses that tool, and it talks about the story, and it talks about some practical – because you got to give some practical tools. The problem is when all you have is a how-to manual, you don't have a movement anymore. And, and, you know, you don't need a, a global terrorist, young people giving themselves to ISIS. They don't need a 100-page manual. They're committed to the cause to the point that they will die and kill for it. I'm not, I'm not affirming them, sure. but I'm saying they get the cause, okay? So they need brief instructions. We've spent so much time on the instruction manual, we've forgotten. You know, it's kind of like giving me a piece of electronics that I have no need for. And you give me this manual, I'm completely disinterested in that manual because I'm not going to use the technology. You know, like, for example, an Xbox. Sorry, I'm not going to play an Xbox game. I'm just not. So the manual will do me no good because I'm not going to play Xbox. And so if we don't help young people understand the beauty and the glory and the, of the story of Christ, first, the, the reality of the Holy Spirit living within, the power of prayer, 
the the fact that the very fact uh, Acts seventeen twenty six says, you know, the the very time you live in history, God has appointed that that you're a a young person in twenty fifteen. This time in history, for a reason, God created you for that. Give them that big vision. Then you can talk to him. Oh, by the way, here's some practical ways you can do that. Yeah, I think one of the things that we have really emphasized, um, I say the last year or so, that's been really really impactful for us is is just prayer just praying for their classmates, praying for mm-hmm. each other, and really emphasizing, look, when, when we, we studied through Mark last year, and uh, man, it was such a good study last mm-hmm. summer, and one of the things that we really tried to drive home with them throughout that is, look, Jesus saw the crowd. Like, we see in when he, mm-hmm. feeding the 4,000, feeding the 5,000, both, he saw the crowd and had compassion on them. Um, and over and over and over, you see that throughout yeah. the Gospels. I think one of the problems that we face as a culture and our students are so much in, in this place is they don't even see them. Yeah. So how do we wake them up to see the lost around them? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I talk about that a lot. The Jesus saw the crowd cause he was looking at them. Yeah. And we're, we're not looking. We, we, I was heard somebody today talking about, um, Richard Gere playing a homeless man for a role and how he was basically the thing that struck him was, how invisible he was to people. Uh, and, you know, the Princess Diaries, that, you know, the, that's the whole point of that movie is that she's invisible till she's a, a princess. And and so people are invisible. The way we see people is important. And so the, every one of us has a certain amount of passion we're going to give to life. And if you're not giving your life's passion to things that matter, like the number, the millions of people that are humanly being trafficked as people, uh, the lostness, the 1.6 billion that have never heard, you're going to give your passion to, you know, whether or not you get the new cell phone on your birthday uh, or something trivial like that. So helping young people, keeping before, and, and the internet allows for that. The internet allows you to keep before them all the time uh, websites like the Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com, IMB's website, to put before them all the time. I mean, they're watching Bon Cui Cui. Uh, on, 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 uh, YouTube, you know, there's some great YouTube videos. I use a lot of them out there. And so, you know, using the technology to keep before people all the time, Hey, check this out, watch this video. And the story has a brand new video out. Uh, I I posted it on our young pros, uh, Facebook page this week to say, Hey, just to be encouraged in the gospel, uh, because I want to always keep that in front of them. Uh, and I think there are a lot of ways we can use technology to do that as well. Yeah. The story is just redone. Uh, all their stuff. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. So it's great. Good. Yeah. I just yeah. saw that uh, last week, actually, while we were mm-hmm. in El Salvador. I pulled it up. And there's tools, too. Like, one of the things I love about uh, the story mm-hmm. in particular is that there's an app on the phone. Um, yeah. And, and man, it's the conversation tools right there. If they want to read through it right there, they don't have to worry about memorizing the verses. They're right there. Yeah. I think Three Circles now has. Three Circles uh, has that. Has that Dare, uh, Greg Steer, uh, Dare to Share has a great app. It's got videos. It's got all kinds of stuff on there. So there's some great apps now. That's the thing. My evangelism textbook, the next revision I do, I'm going to add, when I talk about tools, I'm going to add a whole section on apps. Yeah. Because that's that's a big part of evangelism class now is what are the different apps that are available out there. So using helping students actually use their smartphones for the glory of God instead of complaining about it uh, is a good thing. Yeah, I love the story. Um, I feel like I keep coming back to that, but we use that even for our student ministry page. You know, you can set that up. It tracks how many people mm-hmm. have viewed it, how many, you know, yeah. gives you the contact information. That's really encouraging to yeah. see. Man, there are people reading this everywhere. Yeah. Um, 
So we use that a lot, and Three Circles has been great. I, I really like both of those because they're so conversational. Yeah, and, and both of them relate to the meta narrative. Even the Three Circles, it is God's design, creation, brokenness, fall, gospel, rescue, back to God's design, restoration. So it's also the meta narrative. Um, but but again, it's a conversation tool. Every every month, at least once a month, I'll I'll connect with a few young professionals in our community. I'm a pastor to young pros. Uh, some that have visited us, some that I've I've met in the community, and we'll meet at a coffee shop because that's where they're comfortable, a third place. And inevitably, I'll pull out a sheet of paper and I'll walk through the three circles. The last time I did it the other day with a couple of young ladies, uh, and and, uh, and that had been visiting, and both of them had you know said they knew Christ and. And Father, Lord, and baptism. So we talked about all that, but I wasn't sure. And so just walking through that is a really helpful. And some some people are more visual, so it helps to kind of draw it out and and that thing. So that's a great tool. So what do you say to the student who says, "Well, you're you know you're a pastor, right? I've I've heard that from students before. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to do this. You know, I'm just a kid. I'm just a teenager. Like, mm-hmm. I can't. You know, that's it's your job to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you turn that in? Well, you tell them that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> well, that was my response. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. No, well, that's no. They got that from the church. You yeah. know, we we pay, we pay the hired professionals to do the job. Well, the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion, and it's not just for ministers; it's for every believer. And not only that, it's an honor. It's an honor that the King of Glory would choose us. He, we're Plan A, Living Witnesses. He has not given us a Plan B. He may have a Plan B, but he hasn't given us one. He's not revealed it to us. So as far as we know, God's plan to reach the masses is living witnesses just like teenagers, just like him. And, and, uh, and so there's the there's the big picture issue that you were made. Matter of fact, the way I teach evangelism, man, you were born for this. You were born to give glory to God. That's yeah. why you were born. And through salvation, your life can bring glory to God. And how do we glorify God? Mm-hmm. By letting our light shine before men, by bearing fruit. And what is the fruit of a Christian? It's a Christian. So we, we, we want, you want the smile of God? You were, you were not just born to take up space. You were born to advance the gospel and to re- reveal his glory to those who walk in darkness. And that's a great honor. Yeah, I think uh, it was Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper, the opening mm-hmm. statement there. Missions exist because worship, worship doesn't. Worship does not, yeah. And I think, man, if we could view people that way, that, yeah. that they were, man, you were created to worship. And and here's and everybody's a glory chaser, right? That, everybody yeah. everybody worships. I've had, I've had complete unbelievers admit everybody worships. Yeah. There's, a, there's an element, I think, it's something that I really think God's really pressed into my life just even in the last six months, is the fact that um, so many times I feel like evangelism is about me, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, kind of going back to that, I'm going to mess it up, I'm going to fail. Yeah. Or even that it's about the individual that I'm sharing with. They're not, you know, and I think one of the things I feel like God has really been pressing into my life is that it's really not about either of you. The gospel's never really been about people so much as me. Yeah. I mean, people are part of that plan. But I'm. We are not the center of the universe. Yeah, God is deserving of that honor, that worship, and that glory. Yeah, that comes through the gospel being proclaimed and through the gospel being accepted. Yeah, and uh, if if I could view through that lens more consistently. Yeah, uh, man, I would be a whole lot more intentional in general with with the gospel. Yeah, it, you know, as a pastor, 
and you know, I'm, I would imagine most most of those listening can can relate to this. Like, there's so many moving pieces to what you're trying to manage in ministry mm-hmm. and in student ministry more than ever. I mean, yeah, you're counseling dealing with kids who are struggling with depression and anxiety and cutting and suicidal thoughts. Sexual yeah. abuse is on the. I mean, it is ridiculous um, how high that is. You're balancing juggling all those. You've got parents. Um, on all ends of that spectrum from helicopter to absentee mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out what you're going to teach. You, you do, there's an expectation of events mm-hmm. uh, that you need to have. And in the middle of that, yeah, I need to be sharing the gospel mm-hmm. um, as, as well. And it, that can be really overwhelming at yeah. times. Yeah. But, I've had, I've had to actually cut back the number of time, the amount of time I spend with my students at Southeastern so I can have time to spend with lost friends. Yeah. Um, and But I think the long-term effect is such a benefit for my students to see that their professor doesn't just show up in class and talk about evangelism. He goes fishing with a bartender, Yeah. you know, and, and, and has these relationships and they get that. And so I think it's important that, you know, they, they, the truth of the matter is we have as much time as we need and we, you know, we control a lot more of our time than we think we do, and so it's a matter of how we use our time. And the truth of the matter is, most of us waste a lot of time. Oh, sure. And it's easy. It's easy to be lazy by being busy, uh, yeah. doing good stuff without doing the great things. And so uh, we all struggle with that. Well, I remember that's that was the big takeaway uh, from uh, what was it, the four hour work week with Tim Ferriss. Oh yeah, like yeah. And, uh, what oh, yeah. margin, uh, Richard? Swanson, yeah, right? and that I read those, and I'm going to write a blog in a few days about those books and uh, Crazy Busy. I just read Crazy, Crazy Busy, Busy by Kevin DeYoung. Yeah, that's really. And good I'm too. reading a book that I don't think has been released yet by Mark Dance on Sabbath, and it's actually the best one yet. Mm. Maybe it's because the journey I've been on, uh, because I I'm so ADHD and I'm so busy that I've I've been so active preaching and teaching and writing and pastoring that uh, I just about killed myself the last couple of years. And so I've really been in a withdrawal, cutback. I don't do youth denials anymore. I don't do youth rallies, which has been a little hard because I love them. And even though I'm 56, I still, by God's grace, pretty good at communicating with teenagers. So I enjoy that. I still do some camps and things. But uh, I do more uh, with leaders now than with uh, or with parents and so on, workers than with the youth because that's really my calling. But but cutting back like that is is been really uh, soul saving in a sense because I was just so busy uh, all the time. So so learning. But but what Mark talked about in his book is that Sabbath is not about just resting. It's about completely stopping. Hmm. You know that we need some time every week where we just completely stop. We get off the Ferris wheel. And you know, and and as you go, I talk in there about missional families, and I've got a little section in there for youth pastors. I wrote specifically, and basically, it's how to rate, how to have a family and not lose your family on the altar of ministry, because I've seen a lot of youth pastors do that. I've seen a lot of youth pastors surrender their family because of the need of the urgent uh, in their ministry, and that's a that you don't have to live that way. We didn't sacrifice. Our kids are loving, love the Lord. They're married. They're walking with God by God's grace. And I didn't sacrifice my children for the sake of ministry. They love ministry. Yeah. So I think that's every youth pastor wants their kids to love the church. Yeah. And love ministry. And I think we all live with this fear that they're going to hate the church, hate ministry, yeah. and hate us. Um, and you know, my wife and I talk about that a lot. And that's that's a constant tension that I think we try to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And 
I think for so long we tried to live with this balance and we actually talked to, she came on the podcast actually. Um, we talked about this, like we gave up on balance a long time ago Yeah, and just started fighting for health because there's, yeah, it's, in, it's, it's interesting. Important. Mark dance talks about, stop talking about balance, talk about rhythm. Yeah. And I kind of talk about that. And as you go, when I'm talking about youth ministers and their families, uh, I, I, cause I talk, I talk about knowing where you are in your life. Like when our kids each hit sixth grade, I stopped traveling for a while and I was there because that's a big, you know, going through period. That's a big turning point. When our daughter was a senior, man, I didn't travel much. Um, they had ball games. I made their ball games. I, 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 I worked my calendar around their calendar because that's a season of life that's really vital to them. So knowing, you know, knowing where you're, you know, they need mom more when they're in elementary school. And little, but boy, they need dad in middle school. They need they need a strong father figure uh, to be decisive because it's a really uncertain time in middle school. And so, just knowing the life stage you're in, that rhythm, uh, and even in a year, I told our son, who's a youth pastor, I said, "Man, after a big mission trip, after a big youth camp, you need to plan some days off with your wife, and you need to get away." So, after a busy summer of camp, and this week in New York, in a couple of weeks, he's flying up to Chicago to spend a week with our daughter and son-in-law who just moved up there. They're going to Cubs games and, you know, just getting away. Yeah. Uh, because you, you can't be on all the time. Uh, that's not even biblical. Yeah. And when you are, when I find myself, cause I have to, my wife's really good about checking me on that, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's hard. You, when you, I love my family. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Love my family. Love my wife. We'll be married 15 years, uh, in a, a month really in August. And, uh, man, I, I love my family. I love my wife. Love spending time with them, and uh, but I love what I do as a youth pastor mm-hmm. as well. Sure. And so, when you see the burden and the need, there, there's just a lot of different pulling yeah. directions. So she's really, really good about checking me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think though, when you're running a pace like that and you're never slowing down, you're not going to be intentional with evangelism because at that point no. you're just managing the moving parts. Well, what 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 lo- what you lose? The first thing that goes is your commitment to witnessing. That's mm-hmm. the first thing you lose. That's true of a church, a ministry. I mean, there are all kinds of student ministries that reach the people just because they're large, but they're not really reaching the people they could reach. Uh, the first thing you lose is evangelism. The next thing you lose is your personal devotional life, and then the next thing you know, you've chain wrecked your whole ministry. Yeah, uh, and and none of that you plan for, but because you didn't plan an alternative that's the inevitable direction you're going to go. I had a mentor really early on tell me, uh, Satan won't, he can't take your ministry, but he can rob you of your joy. And yeah. if he does so, you'll gladly give up your ministry. And man, busyness will take away joy. Like yeah. Nothing no. else. Yeah. I, when, I, when I shut down a year and a half ago, two years ago, and just took a season where uh, one of my colleagues, who's a counseling professor, got me just to work 40-hour work weeks for a season of time. Um, it took me about three months to realize how exhausted I was, hmm. just exhausted. And now I mean, like I've got so much more balance and I know what the triggers are that get me wigged out and get me anxious. And so, um, life's just better, you know, life's just better. So when I work, man, I work hard, but when I'm off the clock, man, buddy, I am resting. I am, or I'm, I'm, we've got some property. I'm going to ride a tractor tomorrow. I'm going to go bush hog. For a while, and uh, there's you know that bush hog didn't get in a hurry. That tractor moves only so fast, <laughs> and it's a good reminder for me that Alvin, you're always in a hurry. Just slow down. Yeah, 
everything's going to be all right. So I'm, I've got a lot better balanced or better rhythm today than I did a few years ago. Okay. So if I were to kind of sum up kind of our conversation, you tell me if, if, if this sounds right. Um, and some of this we said more directly than others, but if you're going to have a, a youth ministry or a culture where students are evangelistic and sharing the gospel and sharing the faith, it's got to start with the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, your spiritual walk has got to be primary and it's got to be rich and deep so that you are sharing genuinely and burdened and seeing the lost around you. As you're doing that, you're talking about that, you're sharing that. You're probably doing that with students with you mm-hmm. as well, for yeah. sure. Um, and you're teaching throughout your teaching. You're, there's a, there's a meta narrative there that's being shared. They're mm-hmm. seeing and hearing that throughout. Um, and it just throughout your student ministry as a whole, even, even the events that come in are coming in now as a part of that and mm-hmm. not just to get numbers and people in there. You're giving them really practical tools, uh, mm-hmm. like the story, like three circles, uh, some other things to do that. Celebrating those wins when you come back, mm-hmm. uh, from those, for those events, championing those, giving students, uh, opportunities of time to give testimony of the sharing. Um, anything else? Does that sound right? Am I on? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, you know, the practical things include taking the students on mission trips overseas, out of the state, and also in your own community, getting them, giving them opportunities to practice their witnessing and uh, holding them accountable, that kind of thing. But all, all that's violent. Of course, all that is built on the foundation of prayer and studying the word and just growing in Christ. You probably don't remember this, but a few years ago, I was at a youth pastor breakfast and you were, you were in town uh, there. Just up the street here, at a pretty large church, and we were talking about denouns, mm-hmm. and uh, I was talking about how I hated the scavenger hunt. Right, like every you always have to do the scavenger mm-hmm. hunt. And you said, "Well, why don't you challenge them to serve instead?" And uh, and you were talking, you sharing with you had just done a denow that was mm-hmm. that way, and so we started doing that. And mm-hmm. the first year we told them what they were going to be doing, they were like moaning about it. You know, oh yeah. man, this is going to be. But they got yeah. back. And the stories that they were telling, awesome. And they were super excited. And so we've done that every year since then. Yeah, We don't just do some dumb video scavenger hunt or run around town and do dumb tasks. But we See, see, when when you do that, to me, you just contradicted the theme, Disciple Now. Yeah. You just basically threw that in the trash. So, you know, have a scavenger hunt sometime. Just don't do it on a Disciple Now weekend. Do discipleship. So, yeah, every day now I've done, I've done a couple of hundred of them. Um, the afternoon is, you know, door-to-door witnessing, doing ministry, serving the community, some kind of mission projects. And those have been, I mean, it's been glorious to see young young people love that stuff. You're talking about redefining fun. That's exactly yep. what happened. That's exactly right. That's they what had happens. a blast. They had a, yep. they had a blast. And it pushed yep. them beyond their comfort zone, which I always love to do anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, just... It really accomplished all those things that we were trying that we just listed out because, you know, yep. I was a part of that. Our leaders are part of that. So they saw our leaders leading out, sharing the gospel. We spent some time praying and prayer walking um, for that. We gave them some tools to go and do that. We mm-hmm. Then we allowed them to do it, and then we celebrated those stories afterwards. It was, yeah. it was phenomenal. Yeah. Well, Dr. Reed, thank you. I want to be mindful yes, of sir. your time. Um, any other additional resource you throw out or book or something before we go? Well, I've, I've, I've done enough self-promotion, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, there's some other great books out there. I mentioned Almost Christian by Kenda Dean. If you want to get a grip on uh, the whole moralistic therapeutic deism issue facing student ministry, that's a 
great one. Um, Greg Steer has a new book coming out. I'm writing an endorsement for it uh, in the next year uh, on evangelism. Uh, his stuff's great. Uh, so yeah, there's some great resources out there. We're getting, getting better. A lot of student ministry books are simply how to manuals, but they're getting better. And I'm grateful for that. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Reed. I appreciate it very much. Very, yep. very much. Good talk to and you. And I'll put, I'll put just so you know, too, Dr. Reed, I'll put all the links to all the, everything we've talked about in the show notes. Okay. So Good. folks can grab those. And if they want to catch up with you online or, or connect, what's the easiest uh, way? Alvin, to uh, alvinreed.com, R-E-I-D. Alvinreed.com is my website. And um, on Twitter, I'm just Alvin Reed. So hit me up. Great. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Great interview. Love, love, love Dr. Reed. Love his heart for students, his burden for the lost. A lot of actionable items there in that episode for you. A lot of resources mentioned. Again, all of those resources will be in the show notes over at thelongerhall.com slash episode 025. That's thelongerhall.com slash episode 025. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Zorby. Head over to zorby.com. Be sure to use TLH as a discount code when you check out to save 10%. And then let me ask you one more thing. If you really enjoy the podcast or if you can take a few minutes, head over to iTunes or to Stitcher and write and leave a review there for the podcast. It's super helpful with the rankings and really helps other youth pastors and youth workers find the podcast. It's really, really helpful for me. So if you've got just a second or two, head over there, write and leave a review. Just search for The Longer Haul. You'll find it there if you're not listening from there. And just uh, take a few minutes to leave a review. I would really, really appreciate that very, very much. And that'll do it for this episode of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. And until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.